righty. Once again, we're in the book of Romans, and we're getting down to the end of it. We're in the last second to the last chapter still, chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. This is our 36th study. We've kind of gone through Romans a little fast because there's a lot of instructions in, in Romans which are good for us, and we've read through it all. We've not skipped over anything. We've read through it all. All of God's Word is good for our edification and our learning. But much of it is practical godliness. And it, you take a big lump of the practical godliness and you mix God's grace into it, and that's the gospel. If you just preach the God, practical godliness like a lot of preachers do, and you go through and you expound only in the scriptures what those words mean, you miss the grace of Christ. Christ didn't do that with the two men on the road to Emmaus, did he? No, he expounded in all the scriptures. Granted, the New Testament wasn't printed, wasn't written at that time. But he expounded in all of the scriptures pertaining to the things of himself. Pertaining to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pertaining to the mercy that he has upon his people. So we've gone through Romans kind of quickly. But I think we've done a pretty good job of going through. We could go through it again in six months and it'd be just like all, all brand new again, wouldn't it? It'd be just like all brand new. I think, I think the Lord is going to lead me to bringing a study from the 1st and 2nd Corinthians next. We might just go right into the book of 1st Corinthians next. I don't think I've done that one. I'm, I'm pretty sure I haven't. So Lord willing, we might just do that. In our last three studies, we've considered what we called our reasonable service. Now, in chapter 15, the Apostle Paul merges our reasonable service, walking with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to the results of our godly fellowship, one with another. Let us set our table by looking again at verses 4 through 6, of Romans chapter 15. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, Romans 15 verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Verse 6, that ye may with one mind and with one mouth glorify God, even the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's it, setting the table to what we're about to see in these next few verses. Look at verse 7 with me. Romans chapter 15, verse 7. This is the launch pad for us. Wherefore, because of what we just read, because whatsoever things were written aforetime, written for our learning, because now the God of patience and consolation, that he, wherefore that he might grant us, to be like-minded one towards another, according to Christ Jesus, that we may be one mind. Wherefore, it says in verse 7, Receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Did you know that the Lord received us? 
Do you know that he received us to the glory of his Father, the Lord? That, folks, that's what he came to do. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has always been the Son of God. He just wasn't Jesus Christ in the flesh. Not till a little over 2,000 years ago when he was born of the flesh into this world, manifested in the flesh as man, to glorify his Father. He said, I came to do my Father's will. And what was the Father's will? You remember that scripture? The scripture says that Jesus Christ should lose none. We are to the glory of the Father. Christ accomplished what he had determined to do, what he had covenanted to do with his Father. Verse 8, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision, for, of the, for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Now, in verse 7, we see there where it says, Receive ye one another. Welcome into your hearts communion and fellowship of all believers. Have you ever, some of us have gone to other churches at times. Uh, Brother Mike and Shirley, they'll, they'll understand. Sure, Kathy and I, we just got back from a trip not too long ago back in Tennessee where we went to three different churches. We went to Brother Frank Tate's place up there. We'd never met the folks up there other than uh, Eric Floyd and Frank Tate. Man, I'll tell you, it was just such a joy. It was such a joy, wasn't it? Am I wrong? It was such a joy to meet God's people. Those who are of the same faith, those who are of the same mind, that Jesus Christ is the Almighty. Amen. That He's not sitting around waiting for you and I to do something. He's fulfilling His purpose. It's such a joy to be around God's people. I love being around... Folks, I love to be around my son, but I don't have the fellowship with my son as I do with you. Pastor Gene Harmon and his wife Judy, every time I talk to him, Lord forgive me for not doing this, but every time I talk to him, he says, be sure to give those folks there at rescue my love. He's never stopped loving us. We are so dear to him in his heart. Both him and his wife get up every morning and they have their prayers Kathy and I are part of it. You and I, you folks are part of their prayers. Brother Mike, our our brother Gene and Judy pray for you three or four times a day. They they just stop and think about you and Cheryl is what you're going through and and moving. They've been there. They know what it's like. They understand a little bit. That's the love of God's saints. We have a love for each other that no one else in the world has. A love for our Savior who gave himself for us. I'd drop anything except for eating pie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't help but say that. Throw a little humor in on that. I would drop anything to be able to help you in any way that I can. In any way that I can. Communion and fellowship of all believers. Welcome in our hearts communion and fellowship with all believers of Christ, whether weak or strong, poor or prosperous. Male or female, bond or free, Jew or Gentile. Welcome and love them all as Christ loved and received you into himself for the glory of God the Father. We read again, read that verse 8 again with me. He says, if you would now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision, the Israel. That's what that, that means, of, of the circumcision. Means he was a minister of Israel for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. It is true that the Lord Jesus was born a Jew, that he was made under the law, that he was circumcised and obedient into the laws of Moses. He was promised 
He was the promised Jewish Messiah. He was the seed of a woman. He was of Abraham and of David. This was to confirm and to fulfill every promise, every prophecy, and every type that was given to Israel regarding the Messiah. Now remember, Israel was a picture of God's people. So that means that everything that he gave of himself, all those promises, were actually to you and I, spiritual Israel. The Lord's promised us a Messiah, a deliverer. I've titled this morning's subject, Joy and Peace in Believing. There is joy and peace in our believing. What? Believing Him. Believing who He is. Believing what He's done. Believing what He says. Oh, there is so much. And as a child of God, you know exactly what I'm saying here. There is so much in God's Word that we don't understand. But I believe it all. Many say that they can understand how Christ was made sin. I, I'll tell you right now and here, I don't care what they've tried. I've tried to understand what they say. And I, Brother Clay Curtis, I love the man much. He's tried and tried to explain to me what it means for Christ to be made sin. I can't comprehend God Almighty being made my sin. Yeah. I can't understand it, but I believe it. His word says that he's promises that he gave me in the Old Testament. They're promises to you and I. Israel. Our Lord confirms and he fulfills every prophecy, every promise, every type that was given to Israel regarding the Messiah. But this was not to indicate as some thought that his mercy and salvation were not for the Gentile. He disapproved of those who said it was for the Jews only. Hold your place here. Mark your place in Romans and turn over to Luke. Turn to the left to Luke, if you would, please. Go over to Luke chapter 4. I want, you, I want you to see what I'm talking about here, how the Lord turned. He, 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 he was as much for the Gentiles. Folks, that's what I am. I need to know that he's my Savior. Turn over to Luke chapter 4. Look at verses 25, 25 through 27. Our Lord says this. Now, this, this points to his elect, but it also points to his elect in the Gentile world. Listen to these words. 25, but I tell you of a truth, says our Lord and Savior. Many widows were in Israel in the day of Elijah, when the heavens was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. Many widows. There were many widows of that time. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sepharta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. One widow. God sent his prophet to one widow. I don't know who else God sent his prophet to that day I came here to rescue and heard him heard his message preached, but I know this, God sent that man standing in this pulpit to preach to that one man sitting over there in the pew. And that one man was called out of darkness that day. One. Listen to verse 26. Uh, verse 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving 
Naaman the Syrian. Naaman wasn't a Jew. He was a Syrian. He was a Gentile. See, folks, the promises are for all of us. For each and every one of God's people throughout every tribe, throughout every tongue, every nation. Back in our text in Romans, look, look here with me in verses 9 through 12. Romans chapter 15, 9, beginning in verse 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Turn over to Psalms. Well, you know what? Let me, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, can I can turn over there a little quicker. Let me turn over to the Psalms for you real quick. I want to read one verse over there. This, this is the quotation that Paul is making here in Romans, in Psalms 18, verse 49. Uh, and here, of course, I've flipped right by it twice now. Come on. Get there. <laughs> oh, here we go. 18. In verse 49. Here, here's, here's what Paul was quoting from in the Old Testament. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, the Gentiles, and sing praises unto thy name. I don't know about you folks, but the more I hear about God saving Gentiles, the more joy I get in my heart. The more I hear about the Lord's promises being for people of every tongue and every nation, the more peace I have because I believe. Because God has given me the ability to believe his word. You know, we can fall very short, can't we, in our faith. We can, we can have stuff rise up against us to where we just feel like at it, it, some point, is God even with us? But our faith, our belief of who he is, what he's done, and where he is right now, does that not hold us up to a degree at some point? Does that not bring us a little comfort? Maybe not much, but a little. Continuing on there, verse 10, And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and loud him, all ye people. Verse 12, And again Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. That's in Isaiah 11, verse 1. These prophecies, folks, from the Old Testament, they reveal that the Gentiles were included in the purpose and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ our Lord. That the Gentiles might glorify God, it says, this is the highest object of all of God's work and glory, is that his people. What did we read back there in verse 7? As Christ also received us, to the glory of God. In other words, here is mercy to you and I. All believers glorify God for his mercy in Christ Jesus. There's not a word in the scripture anywhere that encourages either Jew or Gentile in hoping for salvation through our own merits or through our own righteousness. Salvation is God's mercy to an unworthy sinner. The power is of the Holy Ghost. The Father gives hope. 
These prophecies come from three... Let, let me give you four verses. Just uh, sit back and hear these words for just a moment. 2 Samuel 22.50 Listen to this prophecy of the Lord through the Old Testament. He says, therefore, will, therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. So we see all the way back in the book of Samuel, we're talking about the Gentiles, the heathen nations. These promises are not just for Israel alone, they're for all of God's people. Spiritual Israel throughout all time. When the Lord says, I shall not lose any, he's talking about all of his chosen people throughout all time. All of spiritual Israel. In Psalms 117, verse 1, we read this, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. All nations. All people. Throughout all of those nations. Throughout all of the people. Isaiah 11, verse 10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, and to it, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. In them. Is not the Lord's rest glorious to you and I? And Revelation 5.9 sums it all up. It says, and they sung a new song. Saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Promises of God are for us, folks. They're just as much for us as they were for Israel of that day. Back in our text, look at verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you. The God of hope fill, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Paul is expressing a prayer just like he did back in verse 5 of chapter 15. He says, and now the God of hope. Our God is called the God of hope because all true hope with respect to forgiveness for our sin and divine favor is from God himself. There's no hope in our flesh. There's no hope in this one who stands before you. There's no hope in me at all. There's no hope in you. But we have a great hope in our Savior. This hope is affected in the hearts by God himself. Any hope of which he is not the author and the giver of is a false hope. It says in that verse, fill you with joy and peace in believing. The true joy and the true peace are the gifts of God in his son, the Lord Jesus, and are not natural to human's nature. Joy and peace generated by human philosophy and fleshly comforts are temporary. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. I know I'm going a little bit longer than I normally do, but we've got some time. I want to share with you. Joy of the flesh will come to an end for every person, for every man, for every woman. What we find is joyous of this world, whether it be fulfilling our flesh or fulfilling our desires of our mind, will come to an end when every one of us go through that door marked death. This 
beautiful yard. The, the animals, the, the, the gorgeous creatures that fly down out of the trees, the, the red hawk, and hunt in the front yard here. The beautiful waves that Kathy and I were able to sit and, and relax and enjoy for a day at the beach. The gorgeous sunset as we watched the sun drop down into the mist on the, on the, on the edge of the earth. Those things are all temporal. The joy of holding your child in your hand. The joy of loving this woman that I've had all my life ever since, since we've come together out of high school is a temporal joy that will go away when we go through that door marked death. My good friend Arlie, his wife died and he's left alone in a home for the elderly where nobody but myself and his sister who lives miles away come to see him is desperately torn apart begging for God to kill him and take him because the joys he had in this world are gone but God's children have a joy beyond that our Lord has reserved a place in heaven for us that's our joy God himself has had mercy on some people. That's our joy. That's an everlasting joy. True joy and peace are the gifts of God and my Savior, Christ Jesus. Our pleasures of this world are in sin and they are only for a season. The joy of redemption and the peace of Christ are eternal and are real even in the midst of human misery and severe trial. Paul goes on to say after that, he says that you may have, that you may abound, that you may burst, that you may grow in hope. The more believers know the joy and the peace that we find in Christ, the greater our hope will be. Joy and peace as well as all spiritual blessings come to, from God through faith. The more we are able to rejoice in our blessings in Christ and enter into the peace of Christ, the stronger will be our confidence and our hope of future glory. And then he closes that verse with this. He says, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Our Lord gives us hope. He is the God of hope, but he gives it through the agency and the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, hold your place and turn over to John chapter 14. Look at 16 through 18 of John chapter 14. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Has Jesus Christ prayed and ever not been heard? This is talking about the hope that we have coming from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who speaks to us through God's word. And I pray, says the Lord Jesus himself, the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. 
Folks, if, you're, if you know the promises of the old days that a Messiah would come and you see that fulfilling of that promise in the Lord Jesus Christ, you see the promises of God coming to you personally. This is a promise that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you, ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Back in our text, verse 14. i got to get through this. Or I'm going to go all the way through the whole hour. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. This is so important. Remember what I said in the beginning. Paul is writing to us now. He's writing to the Romans. That we might find joy and peace in our belief. And that all of what we've read in the last several chapters about our, our, uh, our reasonable service. Leads us to these things our reasonable service and how it brings us closer together. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written and more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in the mind because of the grace that is given unto me of God, writes Paul in verse 15. And then in verse 16 he says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. He says, I was made a minister of Christ to the Gentiles. That's what he said over in Acts chapter 9, or chapter 9, verse 15, of the gospel of God, ministering not the service of the tabernacle, nor the law of Moses, nor the tradition of the fathers, but the gospel of Christ, that the Gentiles themselves might be acceptable to God through Christ Jesus being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Close with me, if you would, at verse 17. I have therefore whereof I made glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. In Christ Jesus, Paul says, I have reason to rejoice and glory in the things which God has accomplished through me. God does not use, God does use men, he uses these vessels of clay to preach the gospel, to take the gospel to those that he shall call, and we can rejoice in what God is pleased to do through these human instruments. Do we not rejoice when the Lord brings a new one into the church to hear the gospel for the first time? I can tell you this. Pastor Gene cried. Literally, tears pouring out of his eyes. When he saw, you know, he was telling me one time, he says, you know what, John, we have treasures. We have treasures here on earth. He goes, you know what my treasure is? Watching the Lord do a work in your wife's heart. Yeah. Five years I've been coming to this place and hearing the word of God and, and, and blessing my Lord. And one day, the Lord called her. And we all stood and cried right there at the side of the church. That's the blessings that we have. That's the treasures that we have in these earthen vessels to bring the gospel to God's people. And God to use it to call people out of darkness. 
We can rejoice in what God is pleased to do through us as human infants. And Paul says, but I will not take to myself any of the praise for the work of my Lord. I have preached, and God has been pleased to bless the word. Look with me, if you would, in closing, over to Philippians. Turn to the right. Philippians. Just before Colossians. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Right after Ephesians. Just before Colossians. In Philippians chapter 1, we read this. In verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord... Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Folks, there are so many preachers out there that are better than me, but our messages are always the same. And that's the power of God, the message of Christ and Him crucified. Verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ even with envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Does it bring great blessings to your heart when a minister stands up and preaches? Christ and Him crucified. I just love our brother Mike Lesher in his prayers when he closes in prayers. Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending us a minister to preach Christ and Christ alone. I say the same thing. Amen, amen, and amen. Would you